Father, we ask you to bless this, our final meeting together this weekend, and a special uh, prayer, Lord, for the traveling mercies on the way home, especially for all the drivers, because all the campers will be out sleeping in a matter of minutes. The drivers will have to stay awake in many cases for long hours, so quicken them, Lord. May they have someone to talk to, fellowship with, and uh, just cover and bless everyone, get everybody home safely, especially with this inclement weather. And thank you, Lord, for what you have done and what you will continue to do in the lives of each one of us as we leave this camp this weekend. And bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I, I, I read a, this, a, a story, and I, I think you might have also, about this young woman who, as a young woman, dreamed of getting married, as I would imagine all young women do. Who is it going to be? What's it going to be like? In our minds, you know, we have this, well, I, I, it's the ideal relationship. And she could only think about that, looked forward to it, planned, anticipated. And then the day came, she got married. And sometime after that, of course, like any marriage, it had challenges. And then there were some some difficulties. And at some point in time, or oh, not long into the marriage, that word was thrown out there, divorce. She didn't even want to think about it. Didn't even want to go there in her heart. It was too painful. So she kept fighting through all of the challenges, hoping that things would work out, believing that it would, but just kept pressing on till finally some of the more superficial things became more serious. And as much as she didn't want to admit it, they were brought to a place where they had to separate. She was divorced. And she thought to herself, I never imagined anything like this happening. Maybe I'll just move through life and, hey, maybe I could get married again. And sure enough, she met a guy. He was great. Everything she was looking for, everything she was hoping for, and vowed in her heart, this time it will be different. This time it will be better. And again, like any marriage, I mean, it has its challenges. They hit some rough spots. And she didn't even want to face the reality of those rough spots with the hope, again, the ideal that we'll get through this. Because she said to herself, certainly, <laughs> this marriage cannot end up like the previous one did. And it did. And imagine how she thinks about herself, how she relates to herself. There's got to be something wrong with me. It's got to be that I'm too messed up. I had a marriage. It didn't work. It failed. I had another marriage. It didn't work and failed. She was just determined. 
that if she ever got married again, it would work. She got married again. It didn't work. The fact of the matter is, she got married five times. Five times. And after the fifth marriage, she met another man. And she just simply said, you know what? <laughs> I'm not going to go through another marriage. We'll just live together in immorality. And that's what she chose. And you know this story because you've read about it in the Bible. It's the woman, the Samaritan woman that Jesus met at the well. And I love this story for this one reason, that Jesus said to his disciples, I have to go through Samaria. I must needs go through Samaria. Why did he have to go through Samaria? And by the way, Jewish people, they don't go near Samaria. They stay clear of Samaria. The Samaritans were half-breeds. The Jews had no dealings with them whatsoever. In fact, we understand that a typical Jewish person would actually double the length of their journey rather than cutting through Samaria. That was obvious to anyone who was Jewish. And here's Jesus saying to his disciples, go, go into the village, get some food, bring it back. I'll wait here. And then he meets this woman. She comes to the well with her water pots to get water from the well. And that's where we read this story. He said to the woman in John's Gospel, chapter 4, give me a drink. The woman said, the woman of Samaria said unto him, how is it that you being a Jew asks me a drink from me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Not only did they not have any dealings with the Samaritans, but this was just so out of character in this culture for a man to even be talking to this woman. Because not only were the Samaritans losers, but women were losers. And that's what the situation is described here in John chapter 4 when the disciples return and they see Jesus First of all, talking to a woman. Second of all, recognizing that she is a Samaritan woman. And at this point in her life, you've got to believe that she's, she's making her way through life, thinking to herself like any of us would. I can't imagine, you know, the marriage doesn't work out. Okay. Divorce happens. And you just think, okay, well, it's just... You know, it's, it'll be a blemish in my life. But God can get me through this. My life's not over, and it isn't for anyone that experiences that. But for her, it was another marriage, and then another marriage, and another marriage, and another marriage, where finally she says, that's it, I'm done. I'd rather live with a man in sin than have him put a ring on my finger only to see it removed again. And what's her conclusion? I'm too messed up. And what's the message with Jesus in this woman? There is nobody that's too messed up. There is nobody that's too far gone. There is nobody that is so addicted to whatever the nature of the addiction it is 
that God can't reach you and pull you out of it and give you a new beginning. It's clear. The conversation continued. Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that said unto you, Give me to drink, you would have asked of him and he would give you living water. Now, she's been coming to this well for years to get water for her needs and the needs of her family. But she's never heard of living water. But there's living water available for all of us. You know, Jesus said, you partake of this water, what happens? You will thirst again. I think he's describing everything that this world offers us. Because everything this this world offers us, you have to keep coming back for more. It's never enough to satisfy. It always leaves you longing for more. It may be the best party, but afterwards you think, is that it? Is there anything more? There's got to be a better party. For those who find themselves involved in a, a drug addiction, they take one drug and they say, well, you know, that was a good high, but there's got to be something more. And they keep pursuing. And it only leaves them more empty, longing for something more. Never enough. You drink of this water. You drink of any water that this world offers you or anything that this world offers to satisfy your soul. And what happens? You will thirst again and you will thirst again and it will not be enough. And it will, it will drive you and compel you to move through life looking for something more. So she's startled about this idea of living water. And she says, well, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well, drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? That's when Jesus said, you drink of this water, you thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I will give you, you will never thirst. And the water that I will give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said unto him, sir, give me this water that I thirst not. Neither come here to draw. That's when Jesus said, go, call your husband, come back. She said, I have no husband. He said, you've told the truth. You've had five. And and trust me, he did not say that to condemn her. He did not bring out that fact so that she would be, you know, left without any hope. He did it because he wanted her to realize with this meeting and with this encounter that he had with her, that she was going to find what she was looking for. And isn't it amazing? Because so many of us, we, we're, comes, there's something in us that's just driven to what? To be loved. We were born with this insatiable desire to be loved and to love. But there's something that's broken about it. There's something that's not right about it. Because we keep looking for it in people. And people were never designed to to meet the deepest and to fulfill the deepest parts of our soul. That alone is for God. That's why, as we said last night, there's just a table for two. For you and him. And that's where fulfillment is found. That's where the deepest satisfaction of the soul experiences the best that God can give it. He didn't say these things to condemn her. He said it just to reveal that need. Because, again, she kept looking for love. Because she wanted to be loved. 
And now, again, she meets the one who loves her and knows everything about her. Listen, there will never be anyone who loves you quite like Jesus, who knows everything about you. And I mean, think about that. The deepest secrets of our hearts. And it doesn't stop him from loving us. The Bible calls it in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, a perfect love. How is it a perfect love? Because it's well aware of all of our imperfections. And it doesn't stop loving us. The woman said unto him, Ah, sir, you must be a prophet that you would know these things. And then immediately she wanted to make this about religion. And she said, well, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, Mount Gerizim, which she could point to and see in terms of where they were. But you say at Jerusalem, we're supposed to worship the Father. Where should we worship? Listen to what Jesus said. Woman, the hour has come when you neither shall worship in this mountain nor at Jerusalem. But you must worship the Father. He said, you worship what you know not. We know what we worship. Salvation belongs to the Jews. But the hour has come. And think about that. This weekend, this morning, this hour, the hour has come. And now it is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father seeks such to worship him. Do you know what God has been about the business of doing here this weekend? Looking for worshipers. And honestly, haven't you sensed it? If not the entire weekend, at least for those times when we've gathered together here in the chapel, haven't you sensed the fulfillment that, you, that you've discovered in worship? Don't you sense that you're complete when you're worshiping? That's what God is looking for. God's looking for worshipers. I'm so grateful that it doesn't say that God is looking for pastors, that God is looking for missionaries. And and I'm sure that he is, but be, be, be first and foremost and beyond that, he's looking for worshipers. Because some of you, let's be honest, you may not make it to the mission field, and that's all right, as long as you make it to the altar of God and you become a worshiper. Some of you may not stand behind a pulpit and preach, but that's all right. God's not looking for pastors as much as he's looking for worshipers. That's what he's been doing throughout this whole weekend. That's what he's been doing in the course of your life and my life. That's what it comes down to. Just like the song they sang. Lord, it's all about you. It's all about worshiping you. And if we miss that, we miss out on the very thing that God the Father is looking for. Worshippers. And don't think for a moment that you will be sold short if you just end up worshiping God with your life. Are you kidding me? Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. Listen to what it says. They that know their God shall do great exploits. You have no idea of the adventures that await you if you become a worshiper. You have no idea the path that God has mapped out for you if you become a worshiper. You have no idea how much God plans to use you and utilize your gifts, talents, and abilities if you become a worshiper. And Jesus said it, the Father seeks such people. There's a beautiful passage in Second Chronicles 16, 9. 
Listen to what it says. It says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are worshiping him. Wow. What's he doing in Second Chronicles 16.9? Looking for worshipers. What's he doing as he meets the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, looking for worshipers? And even Jesus said it. He said, listen, it doesn't matter where you worship. I mean, all of us here gathered, we, we worship at different places. We worship in different churches. We worship in different ministries. doesn't matter as long as we worship. That's what God is looking for. That's what he continually searches the earth for. That's what his eyes are going to and fro looking for. And God will show himself strong on your behalf. And you will find the deepest fulfillment of your life. And you know, the greatest thing about this story, as I read it, it comes a point in time where the woman just simply says, uh, all right, I, I'm, I've got to tell others about this. And the Bible says this, and she left her water pot. She left that old life. She left a life that was riddled with failure. And the woman who once said, I'm too messed up, could now say, I found someone who loves me and refuses to condemn me. I found someone who, who doesn't make my past an issue. I found someone who says that there's still hope for me. I found someone who cares for my soul. He spoke to me. Can you believe it? He's Jewish, no less. And he spoke to me. As you lead this camp, no matter where you're at in life, let me just give you words of advice. You're not too messed up. You're not too far gone. Your family is not too broken. The situations that you've had to deal with and have been in your plate are not more difficult than God's power to step into your life and to make all the difference. If you get to know your God, you will do great exploits. If you get to know your God, there is no that you can't even begin to imagine because God's promise is this. I'm ready to do exceeding abundantly above all you could ask or think according to the power that I have that will work in your life in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Don't ever believe the lie that says you're too messed up. Don't ever believe the lie that says you're too addicted. Don't ever believe the lie that, you, that says you're too far down that road and there's no turning around. Listen, we were just recently in Budapest and we had a wonderful retreat with the young people there and we gave them the best news. Some of them said, that was the best news I've heard all week at this retreat. And it was this, God allows U-turns. And you know where God allows U-turns? At the cross. At the cross. No matter what road you've been going down, even if it's, even it's the wrong direction, the wrong choice of friends, the wrong choice of attitude, the wrong choice of behavior, none of that matters. If you need a U-turn, God provides it. It's at the cross. You can turn around. You don't have to keep going in that wrong direction. You can, you can just turn around. That's it. He allows U-turns at the cross. Take that opportunity. Make that U-turn. Say, this is it. It was this youth rally. It was this weekend that made the difference. God spoke. God moved. The Spirit touched me. It was the worship. It was the praise. It was the fellowship. 
It was the communication I had with other campers. It was somebody whose heart was stirred and said, I really want to follow Christ. I want to step over that line, make that commitment. I want to let God do what he plans to do. I want God to to make me the person he always intended for me to be. And I know I don't have any power to do it myself, but I know he has everything I'll need to be a divine success. This woman discovered on that morning, I mean, I can't imagine the joy in her heart. I can't imagine finding her friends and saying, you're not going to believe it, but here are the facts. I'm not too messed up. I'm not too far gone. There's hope for me. Five times married, five times divorced. I'm living with a man now. In fact, I'm going to run home and tell him the relationship's over unless he wants to marry me. But we're not going to get married unless Jesus does the wedding. I mean, obviously, I just made that up. But it sounds like a good way to end the message. So pray with me. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your great grace. And if we can receive that grace, it's going to make all the difference in our lives. It doesn't come down to our ability. It doesn't come down to our fortitude. It doesn't come down to our right behavior. It comes down to sitting at a table with you and knowing that your grace will be sufficient in my life. Lord, we thank you for gathering us here this weekend. We thank you for moving in our midst. We thank you for for music, for singing, for songs that have lifted our hearts and opened our eyes to see Jesus. Lord, as we continue to get to know you, we're excited about the great possibilities that await us. We're excited about the great exploits that will be ours. We're excited about walking by faith and living this adventure. We're excited about navigating through life and having you as our guide and having the Holy Spirit directing our thoughts and our decisions. Father, we're grateful, just so, so grateful to have been here this weekend. And again, we want to give that one last opportunity this morning. If there's anyone who's never made a decision to trust you. Oh, please do it before we leave this morning. Don't know what stopped you from doing up to this point. really doesn't matter. But maybe, maybe, maybe you thought you were too far gone. Maybe you thought there was no hope for you. Maybe you thought that like this woman, there was no hope. But with Jesus, there's hope. He is hope. And he can be the hope that anchors your soul as you journey through life. Trust him. Say, Jesus, save me. Come into my heart and save me. And if you made that decision, just tell one of the youth leaders, come up and tell me at breakfast this morning. It would be the best news that we could hear all weekend. Lord, we thank you again for every single youth leader that came here this weekend, every single youth pastor, everyone that longs to make a difference in the hearts of this generation. We thank you that you're looking for worshipers. And we hope and pray that you've found them here this weekend. We thank you in Jesus' name.
Amen.